0: No, it's Happy Times and Places, that podcast where that bloke who's on all those soppy Blu-ray documentaries watches Doctor Who and says things about it, but doesn't slag it off. It'll never work.
1: Hello, I'm Ian McLaughlin, and uh, I have been a fan of Doctor Who since the 30th of November 1963, when I saw the repeat of An Unearthly Child. Now, the story I have chosen is The Dalek Master Plan.
0: Well, I tend to record these very early in the morning when everyone's gone to bed. So we're about to go to the abandoned planet uh, and I shall be watching it in the abandoned living room. Uh, (laughs) There's the uh, difference between, you know... Well, it's like watching Doctor Who at home and and, and the scope that Doctor Who aims for. Um, so when you're in the end of the Daleks master plan, I have two more episodes to see if I can get close to... I'll tell you what, wouldn't it be nice? Because Ian K. McLachlan, a fan from the days of yore, from the olden times, um, who has watched every single episode of Doctor Who by episode seven of Marco Polo. Uh, I think I've got two things... That Ian has got, haven't I? So there's still a chance. Well, do you know what? If I get, oh, no, there was two things. I've got, I've, I, I've got this episode, next episode, and then the bonus thing. So I've got a chance to get three. And do you know what? If I get another two, that's that's four, that's a third, that's not bad. And if I get three, that's the same amount of things as there are existing episodes of the Daleks Master Plan. And seeing as the chances of the Daleks Master Plan having existing episodes is quite small, for me to get three, I think would be an achievement, like a win. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I've still got something to aim for in this ludicrously hard competition that I've uh, set up in order to give... What is essentially a commentary podcast, a sense of jeopardy and plot and competition where it's really it's 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 a thin disguise for a man waffling and not having to do any research. Anyway, let's crack on. And I have the loose cannon reconstruction of the abandoned planet. And I'm going to press enter, which will hopefully start it playing in three, two, one. Well, it's taking a while to kick in isn't it something here uh going to play oh there we go ha ah, well, i'm sorry about that um i yeah well there we go <laughs> that's uh uh y- you might not be very synced i'm sorry about that um well look the abandoned planet is i seem to recall another ian uh whose fan credentials are uh, pretty spick and span uh, favourite or most desired missing episode and that is Ian Levine Ian Levine um, would like uh, this episode I think more than any to come back so it'll be interesting to see why that is Uh, I'm presuming because the delegates are in it Um, he's ordered a a bag of delegates and uh, Daleks and turn to the planet Kemble. so uh yeah there's a lot to consume here uh, uh and 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 i and i suppose because next episode i know doesn't doesn't have the delegates because they they all shoot off in this one and i'd yes it's interesting because i think i may have mentioned uh in the last episode that we were we were coming back to terry nation but of course we're not dennis spooner uh, writes these last two episodes, and I, for some reason, I'd got it in my head recently. Of course, I—I I mean, I knew in the past. I, I'm, you know, it's obvious stuff. Um, uh, that that Nation writes uh one to five and seven, six of the episodes, and Spooner writes six, eight to twelve. They write six episodes each, and I knew they'd written half of it each. Um, but that just the the alternating thing was a bit of a myth but as i was doing this for some reason i was looking forward to these last two episodes as being oh it's getting back to terry nation again Uh, which actually words i never thought i'd say because i've always slightly poo-pooed terry nation i think because he does himself no favors uh of being you know even when he's interviewed by alan wicker on that program you know they say how did the daleks come about as you're talking to us from your massive mansion, he goes, "Yeah, I was doing this thing. It was take the money and fly like a thief." And you go, "You don't, you don't sort of have to be as dismissive of the thing that made you a millionaire." And sort of go, I, "What we sort of now know that you know he didn't really make that much effort." But I've I've had a a renewed respect for him since going through, you know, the files of the early years of the show because one of the reasons he doesn't put much effort in is because he doesn't need to, because he knows how to structure, and he knows how to fling a script out there that has the right amount of scenes, the right amount of jeopardy, the right amount of pacing, um, which means the script editor doesn't have to do too much rewriting, and, and, and also what he promises in his storyline is what you get in his scripts, and um, so I guess he's like a sort of, you know, a George Best or something. You know, he doesn't, he, 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 he you know, he's he, he's so good he doesn't actually have to bother. But then it makes you go, but what if you had bothered? Just imagine how amazing you could have been. Um, but I, you know, I, you know, I do understand that kind of, oh, well, if I can get away with it, I'll, I'll do, you know, I'm um, not going to compare myself to Terry Nation. But, you know, once I realised that I could sort of, I could sort of get away with, swatting up on exams on the night before i i i never bothered you know and i'm doing that with my accounts now as well you know I, I give myself enormous amounts of stress the night before and then go oh if i if i'd actually put some preparation into that my life would have been easier the stress would have been less my accountant would have been happier but now i leave everything to the last minute and and because i've all because i seem to I don't know I seem to cope if I sort of scramble it all together and, uh, and I guess maybe that was Terry Nation's writing method that he just sort of went well I'll just you know I'll just dash it off and that'll be and it will be no better if I spend you know a month honing it and preparing it And but there is that nagging doubt isn't there going Ugh. but anyway he didn't write this episode but he did you know I th- I'm, I'm guessing that you know these last two episodes are the, the, the storyline conclusion of his six parter um, but I certainly think this, uh, you know, the, the 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 stuff around Kemble and with the delegates and you know give, gives is what this, gives this story its unique flavour, more so than the, the the sort of bits in the middle which are the the chase revisited, if you like, um, and and this this has a real sense of. Uh, you know, we, we have been a little bit round the houses, but now we're back on Kemble where it all began. And it does, does feel a bit like, oh, we're, we you know, we're getting to the, the season climax, even though, as I said last week, this is not the end of the season. Um, it's nice that we have all these, uh, these, these set photographs. And of course this reconstruction I'm watching was done before we'd got episode two. So, uh, so they've, uh, They've done a pretty good job with, uh, uh, with, the, uh, with the with the with with the de- the delegates. This sort of composite's Slation, um, who seems to be made of tights and chocolate buttons, uh, and not just in the recon, but full stop. Um, but we've only got a very blurry picture of uh, Terence Woodfield playing Salation. and here um, uh, as as Malfa uh, we also have the Christmas tree guy for Mission to the Unknown, who we know wasn't there now, and Gearin, who's who's Jack Pitt, um, is is not the sort of grey, you know, figure with a sort of covered head to toe in grey swaddling. Is is this sort of slightly feminine leather thing, leather clad thing that we've got in episode two? That must be Gearen. Um I love the tone of voice uh, of the Dalek in this scene. It's really sort of wasp like and malevolent and biting. It's the, that's the Dalek Supreme, isn't it? But it's really sort of edgy and nasty. Real like a sort of school bully in the playground. Um, the, the, I mean, the real arc for uh, Marvick Chen is don't get ideas above your station. Uh, uh, and, you know, they've given him his his head and he's lost his... He's gone off his nut. But you know that uh, Sturdy will have pulled it off nicely. Um, and it's interesting how the, the, the writer Spooner has started to favour Salation, who's not even in Mission to the Unknown and doesn't have any lines in, uh, in episode two and is just a, a non-speaking, supporting artiste, but is now a, a, a sort of speaking actor. And Malfa, who's uh, this one here I can see now, who's got the sort of cracked mosaic face, who was Robert Cartland in Mission to the Unknown, uh, uh, was non-speaking in episode two and presumably isn't in, in, in three... Um, and now here he is, played by a different actor from Mission to the Unknown and uh, Episode 2. And the actor who plays him is uh, an actor whose main claim to fame isn't that I've eaten uh, an apple pie made of apples from his orchard. But that is one of his claims. To One of my claims to fame is that I've eaten apples from his orchard. But uh, his main claim to fame, of course, is that he's Alf Roberts in uh, Coronation Street, the mighty Brian Mosley uh who is also in this episode in this story in episode seven as Buddy Windrush. Um so he's one of the few people to have appeared in Doctor Who under under two different names. Um there are there are others and there are some to disguise their appearance like Anthony Ainley and and uh, and and Terry Malloy but I would put them in a slightly different subcategory from from uh, uh Luann Peters slash Carol Keys, who's in Frontier in Space and the Macro Terror in with two different names. Um I always wish the actor Trevor Byfield had been in Doctor Who because he sometimes credited himself as Trevor Byfield and sometimes credited himself as Zig Byfield or Ziggy Byfield. And He was one of those great, wonderful, sort of, rough lived in character actors, but, but who was, I think he was in the bill about 946 times. And he never did a Doctor Who, bizarrely. Uh, no longer with us now, sadly. Um, so, Geeran has been killed. Uh, and in our in our reconstruction it is the it is the what we assume to be gearon from mission to the unknown who's the the sort of grey one uh it's just it's just not not the most imaginative of all the mission costumes but uh, when episode 2 came back as i say there was this slightly almost feminine looking leather fang going on um so presumably that's who got zapped by by chen in that scene um and it 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 makes you wonder what, how how that's dealt with back at home because presumably these these delegates are all here plotting the destruction of the universe. They, you know they are assembling the greatest war force ever. So presumably it's not just them. You know what I mean presumably they've 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 left people at home going right. We're we're all going to be in a war. Um, we've got these allies. Um, don't worry, it's fine. That you know they're they're not going to just kill us. Um, so prepare for war. You know. When I come back, the military will do as I I tell them, and then they all gather here, and uh, the, the the Daleks don't, sort of turn turn on them. Uh, but this is this I I really do like uh the, 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 the this element of this, where the Daleks are really cruel to Chen, that you know that they humiliate him. They don't just go, we're going to chuck you in prison. The Dalek Supreme sort of goes you you stand here and you tell the delegates everything you want to tell them and he goes this is my moment i shall take center stage and then when he he's not even looking they just sort of sneak out the back and then put bars on the room and essentially turn it into a prison cell now they could have they could have done a much more direct humiliation but it's it's almost like you know don't not responding to a troll you want to sort of go i hate you you're awful but actually if you just ignore them they hate it um now i know the daleks have have come back now and, and and told him what's going on but the dalek supreme the really spiteful sounding one just sort of swept off and just you know went you you know yeah you do you do your thing that you think is big because it's meaningless you're nothing to us and in fact this is an episode of absences because the doctor It's really weird, isn't it? The Doctor, we don't see the Doctor again for this whole episode. Um, And then I think next week, we don't see him until quite near the end. And this starts to happen a lot in the Wiles era where, and he wasn't in last week much, was he? It took him 10 minutes to appear. Gradually, and he's not in the massacre much at all. And I know he's the Abbot of Amboise, but the Abbot of Amboise is, is literally only in the recap of episode two he's not in the rest of it so the abbot actually only really properly appears in episode three um and the doctor disappears at the beginning of episode one comes back at the end of episode four um disappears a lot through celestial toy maker so there's there's a lot of time in this period where uh, hartnell isn't in it and it's of great credit to i think peter purvis who i think is hugely underrated um i think he's a really good dramatic actor of this kind of fare he he's got he's got the right drive and the right sort of gutsiness to be the is the essentially the de facto hero um and and i and i think because he became a a bit of a legend in a household name in blue peter so it got the guy for blue peter was in doctor who i think if he hadn't been the blue peter guy we'd be going this guy's an absolute legend he is the you know he's the sort of Flash Gordon of Doc Two, no, because Flash Gordon's cheesy. He's not cheesy at all. I think he's a he's a proper leading man, and, uh, and, and I'd like to have seen a bit more of, of of him and him and Sarah actually together. And I noticed that Sarah is credited now as Sarah, not Sarah Kingdom, which I suppose moves her towards being a companion. Um, I mean, she's a companion, you know, whatever official. Billings and things, you know, she she's she's entered our uh consciousness as a companion. Whether the twentieth anniversary, especially the Doctor two celebration, were over ambitious or mistaken or what, same as Katerina I mean, uh, she, you know, I'm not going to quibble with anybody. I know some fans who, if you went well, the companion Katarina, they'd go who. You go, Katerina the companion. Well, I know a Katerina, but she's not a good companion. I don't like having conversations with people like that who willfully misunderstand you in order to make their petty little point about what is real and what isn't, uh, or what is factual and what isn't. Um, But, as as I say, I think it's fairly tenuous that Katerina is a companion. And again, if you wanted to break it down, I I, I suspect she probably isn't, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to interrupt somebody making an interesting point in order to pick them up on that. And in all those listings back in the day she was so she is um uh but yes i it's it's really eerie this episode it's it there's a lot of as i say the 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 the, uh, the daleks disappear from chen and leave him sort of grandstanding on his own um the doctor leaves stephen and sarah you know they're hanging around the city here and it's unguarded uh And it makes you go, well, why aren't aren't the Daleks guarding everywhere? But it it means it's the abandoned planet. That's what the whole episode is. It's sort of like we're with the heroes and the story seems to be going on somewhere else. And that, that doesn't feel like a shortcoming. That feels almost as if we're powerless to do anything because events have moved beyond us, Stephen and Sarah. They've moved beyond even... Marvick Chen, who's left, you know, ranting to his uh, increasingly irrelevant cohorts, because the Daleks have what they need now. They don't need those guys. As I say, I don't quite... I I, I feel that the guts are slightly let down by the Daleks' master plan, and I don't buy the logic on it of it i real really harp on about going their government representatives just if you kill one or, or someone you know it, does, it doesn't mean that the whole the whole system that you've got to set up was un, unraveled so if you needed this war force and then you just go well we don't need you anymore well why why were they assembled in the i'm not quite sure why they were assembled in the first place and, and what they're supposed to do now um uh, and it's a shame because it, it, so much was promised by that lovely array a uh, mission to the unknown is basically going you're going to meet loads of really interesting aliens and they're going to do loads of things so the costumes were made the actors were cast uh, uh, you know the, 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 the plot was set up for that and then it just sort of went yeah well yeah I think I, yeah, I don't think we'll actually do that much with them and, and we'll, we'll kill a couple of them um, which which you know makes a, a, a mockery of anyway anyway I've talked about that, and I and I'm and and and, and it's only it's it's and it's only a it, it's a it's just just it's just because I love them so it's a, it's a bit that does overshadow the rest of the otherwise you know brilliant denouement of this of this this epic tale. Um, I could have just done with more delicates and less Egypt. Is that fair? I think that's fair. Um, oh, and certainly less guff about sunlight and a lock um <laughs> um but I'm'm I'm, I'm loving the fact we've got all these set photos in this uh this 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 brilliant reconstruction this is really eerie isn't it there's there's they're sort of having to um try and affect events from outside of events oh and, and he sounds so desperate doesn't he old uh, old old Marvic Chen um and, oh, I'd so love to see all these, uh, all these scenes with, uh, with all of the delegates and and uh, a Marvick Chen. Uh, and I did talk, didn't I, about Salation being on on Junior Points of View, who was and and, and had to say some funny line. I can't remember what it is, what it was now. Um, and Terence Woodfield uh, was known to somebody I know, and I did get his address. I think. Or, or no? I think she contacted him for me, and never, never heard back. Uh, for who's round? But he did write to a friend of mine, or, or replied, you know, signed photos. Um, and, and apparently the, there was a the, the very smell of cigarettes uh, when the when the envelope was opened um and i believe he was of uh because ind- you sort of go what what did these people do after they stopped acting in the 60s were, oh, although he's yeah, he's the source and captain in the tomorrow people so end of the 70s but that's still a long time between then and him dying in whatever it was 2016 you go what do these people do um but i i believe he was of independent means so he obviously sat at home smoking a lot of cigarettes uh, but perhaps that's why Salation talks like that. Um, uh, but this is why I'm fascinated by the people. Do you know what I mean? I would, I would have loved to have. And you know, maybe that, that this this friend of ours said, uh, you know, this guy was talking. to him, well, I don't want to talk about Doctor Who, but I didn't want to just talk about Doctor Who. I'm I'm really fascinated in the people who've who've sort of touched our 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 show even very very briefly but you know theirs is a unique perspective you know when the when you know when the camera started rolling they were there they saw all of this stuff not only moving but in color and oh, that's the other beauty about the black and white stuff is that actually and there's some wonderful work goes online now where people are recoloring or, or coloring black and white photos and it just makes it seem like yesterday and it makes these you know often very long dead people and certainly long you know, long past situations seem so vivid. And like yesterday, there's actually a guy, is Dr. Oofan, a Babel colour, Stuart Humphreys, who colours stuff from, you know, the, the late 1800s. And you see these sort of children, you know, who look, you know, you can see the hairs on their arms and the freckles on their face. But since that photo was taken, that, that person who could be in the room next to you um, has, has, you know, stopped being a child and has grown and aged and... You know, past all those landmarks that we pass and lived through, joy and happiness and sadness and disappointment and all those things we feel so palpably, and died probably before we were born. And you go, God, that's that's really weird. And yet they saw things as vividly as we see them now. And that's why I'm very sort of. <laughs> I don't know, I'm soppy about individual people, I guess. It's probably all narcissism, really. <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to be special too, I don't know. Um, but but I would have loved to have chatted to Terence Woodfield because he is the only person that played Salation in episode 11 of The Daleks' Master Plan. And I did say, didn't I, that uh, Ian East, who played Salation uh, in episode 2 of The Daleks' Master Plan, I think he and Terence Woodfield both died on the same day. Uh which is a really strange uh coincidence. Uh and Brian Mosley, uh, who plays Malfa in this, uh, I think died outside of Cash Point, didn't he? He was uh, uh, he'd left Coronation Street, but he was a Coronation Street legend. Uh, uh and I'd never I, you know, we used to watch Coronation Street back in the day. I never thought that Alf Roberts would have <laughs> been in Doc Two, but he'd been a he'd been a stuntman. I think he's also a uh, does some of the sword fighting and stuff in, in The Smugglers. Smugglers is a story that doesn't have many survivors at all now. Um, but, you know, we're talking a long time ago. I'd have loved to have seen all of this. But, of course, the problem is these pictures look great, don't they? But all it would take is is, you know... One one extra to bump into another, or one slightly ill-fitting costume, uh, or, or or one sort of slightly shambling gait, uh, and they they wouldn't have looked. In fact, I because I, I thought the mission to the unknown that uh, that clan did was really really good and really strong, and I thought they judged the acting really really well. But actually, the bit I was looking forward to most, which was the delegates, was sort of five people shambling on and standing a bit close to each other, and uh, and, and 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 I'm not saying that. It was anything unlike it, it would have been in the... In the actual Mission to the Unknown, I thought maybe they might look better, like a lot of things, because most of the 60s was known to me, first in great quality still photographs. And a lot of these things look brilliant. The sensorites look great in those old black and white, grainy, wonderful pictures. Um, oh, so many black and white photos are sort of the Keys of Marinus in Doctor Who the early years. Those brilliant Ray Cusick set photographs with, with a Ford, and they, and they all look fantastic. And when they start to move... You know, they, they don't look as good as the still as the still photos. It's a bit like those old Angus McBain um, photos of, you know, Shakespeare plays on stage. They look so amazing. And actually, they probably look better because they're moody and dark and black and white uh, than they than they would as soon as they get movement and articulation. Um, but that's OK. That's all part of uh, that's all part of it. Um, I love I love this whole atmosphere of this, the, this abandonment, um, and it, you know, largely the the, the 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 sort of silent menace of the of of the Daleks because they're they're observing them from afar, uh, and of course they yeah they're discovering that underground bit. And i and, and didn't they didn't they? Isn't there something about so so Chen's ship has blown up? So that's a nice little faint sight of hand. That uh, oh, we think he's he's dead, uh, but of course, we, as I'm sure deep down we know. Well, no, he's going to hang around. Uh, he's he's totally lost it now. Um, is, is it sometimes? It's sometimes disappointing when people go mad in Doctor Who. But um, I think I think he had to. He's 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 so arrogant. He 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 needs more than uh, toppling from his status. He, you know, he needs he needs toppling from his self-assurance. And the only way to do that is to sort of, you know, fracture his sanity. Um, but but isn't there something about because I'm sure they mentioned I'm sure Salation says in episode eight, isn't it? As uh, uh, no, Zephon, isn't it? Zephon in episode three goes uh, Salation and Bears will come with me. And then that's those two delegates that we don't know who they are, extras wise, MJ Matthews and Jack Le White. And it says the, in the script that the delegates move behind Chen. So that's presumably Salation and Baeus going, we're not going with you, Zephon. Um, uh, and, and I'm sure, um, when, when the other ship went off, um, Stephen goes, oh that's the ship of, or somebody goes, that's the ship of Salation and Baeus. And you go, so hang on, cause Salation's not in mission to the unknown and Baeus is and now, although we know that they change. um, so Salation so and Baeus are, are, are kind of like buddies, so they, they bunk up in the same ship, do they? So what, was Baeus there in Mission to the Unknown? And then when it comes to Dalek master Plan, he goes, I've got my hissy mate made of chocolate buttons. Uh, I think he's got a great wolf horse too. Um, so, I just yeah, I, I, want, I want to know what's going on with Salation and Baeus. Everyone else is a representative from their own planet, and Salation and Baeus are kind of budded up. Uh, what's going on there? Um, I think that needs some exploring in uh some uh, in in some sort of spinoff um the the, the, the odd the, the odd couple the odd delegates um uh <laughs> um so uh anyway um my two delegates um so um i've got to choose a favorite thing from the Abandoned planet. I, I don't think Ian's gonna choose this, but it re- it's what really struck me about that episode is, and oh, and I didn't talk about the title of Escape Switch because I've, I've I've harped on about the titles on occasion. And Escape Switch is a great title as well, of course, isn't it? Because there's there's the reason they escape is. Is because they they do the switch, you know, the handover of of the terranium. I'm, so I'm enjoying the uh, I'm enjoying the episode. As the abandoned planet, it that the real sense of this whole episode is the abandonment, um, is the absence of Hartnell, the quiet exit of the Supreme Dalek. Top marks, by the way, for the Supreme Dalek's voice, which is, I mean. Fingernails on a blackboard—it's horrible. It's screechy, as well. but it's 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 screechy without being sort of ludicrous and undermined, because as the Daleks can sometimes be, it's screechy because it's nasty. It's a nasty tone of voice, um, but I like the sense—the eerie sense of abandonment—is what I like about the appropriately titled *The Abandoned Planet*. Let's see what
1: Ian has chosen. Then we move on to the abandoned planet Now I'm going to have a, a change uh, for this particular uh, episode. I love the scene at the beginning where the doctor thinks that he has got it wrong and that he the the, um, the directional unit of the monks Tardis didn't work and they were stuck they hadn't got to back to Kemble as they hoped and then he asks Sarah, to um, put on the scanner screen, and he realized that he is at Kemble. Now it's interesting that um, he manages to get back to Kemble at the right time, and I thought that strange at the time. He was very fortunate because he could have ended up in Kemble maybe in uh, in a different era, because the TARDIS was never quite in the right era, the right time. But ha- never mind. Um, he got back, and then he makes out that he expected to get back all along. And there was a lovely scene with a uh, comic scene with Sarah and Stephen, and Stephen more or less saying to Sarah, um, "That's that's the Doctor. Uh, he he'll bluster, he'll he'll get things wrong, and pretend that oh he he was he, he was going things right all the time. It was just a." A subterfuge or something like that. Uh, there was a love. It's a lovely character uh, piece, and it's very different from the the bulk of that episode, which is uh, quite um, quite um, unsettling in places. And uh, the strange thing is, um, the Doctor then disappears for for the, the rest of the episode, and Sarah and uh, Stephen have to continue. And that's what is really is like. I like it when there is less Doctor, because often less is more. You can have too much. Uh, doctor can make his mark in a few scenes. He doesn't have to be center stage all the time. And so that's why uh, I like The Abandoned Planet, because it, it concentrates on the delegates and it concentrates on Mavic Chen, particularly at the end, when there is the the, the, the cliffhangers that episode
0: is great ah now that is really interesting and i was i was banging on through the cliffhanger it is a great cliffhanger it really is a sense of and now i'm going to lead you to the final episode and it's underground with loads of daleks in it um uh, I really like that. One, yes, that's a really good scene, and I was banging on uh, through it at the beginning. Oh, I have to for these things. Um, but I, I'd actually made a mental note to, to go, oh, remember, flag up that scene, because it is very funny. It's a great comedy where um, uh, the Doctor does, as uh, Ian described there, and it's a, it's a lovely little uh, uh, character moment, and it's a reminder that we're in Doctor Who, and, and I've been quite hard on Dennis Spooner, just because... Of the contrast of his approach to to nations, I guess. But I need to acknowledge that I think you know Dennis Spooner is almost the architect of what we imagine Doctor Who to be, um, because uh, of the way that he you know the the monk with the toaster, the monk with the wristwatch um, in his uh, in, in in the time medley, you know, bringing um, that that sort of contrast that 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 way of using time travel to well, he realizes that the 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 the, the TARDIS, the ramshackle twentieth-century police box, against stunning alien vistas or you know ancient wonderful monuments, is what the show is. It's that it's that contrast between and you know that's that's part of it being a very British show as well. Are um, sort of downtrodden, sort of homely, sort of. optimistic with you know not the best means of our disposal all of that sort of stuff is 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 sort of I think exemplified by some of the stuff that that Spooner introduces to the show in the 60s and also you know his his comedy that he brings in as well because we you know I don't think we think of Doctor Who without its sense of humor now but I think he was he was the, the, the the person to to sort of push it into to, to that direction particularly and in a way in a way that 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 works much as I love Donald Cotton stuff I think is, is is his his is unsustainable but the, the melding that uh that 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 Spooner does is is is, is I think how we you know the, the sort of mean the average um uh the te- the template of, of 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 the average balance of 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 how Doctor Who tells its stories um and and you know that's that's a very Dennis Spoonery scene, I think, um, but I love Ian's chat there about the doc- the Doctor being less is more, and the fact that you know I I there's me just looking at the behind the scenes tragedy of you know Hartnell being eased out by a producer that didn't like him, and and the fact that I you know we as we know Hartnell has a rather Ignominious departure from the show, where where he's you know you know very much with a whimper, not with a bang, and, and 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 you know it's 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 actually quite obscene how how sort of low key his his departure is, and how that you know it must have been a bit of an anticlimax for him, and 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 the result of you know a, a period of the diminution of his of his role and impact, and and seemingly to his bosses his importance to the show um but actually that ian seeing it through the child's eyes of going the doc you know the doc not in it much because it's mysterious and you know he doesn't come into the first episode for about the first what 12 minutes is it 13 um uh, and, and and you know that's doc doctor who the you know um you know it, it makes sense of things like the christmas invasion where you know russell tieves holds you know our tenth Doctor moments till 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 quite near the end. You know, um, and it and it is an effective way of doing things. There are first episodes. I remember the, the police series Rockcliffe's Babies with Ian Hogg. Rockcliffe is not in the first episode until the very very end, uh, and it is a it is a it is a great way to um, to deal with your hero sometimes, and you you do feel the Doctor's absence in that episode. So I mean I could almost claim a bit of a point there, but I'm not going to. Um, but but. Yeah, that idea that uh, less is more, which sometimes I think with the crying and things and the I'm the doctor, I'm the most important thing in the universe and aren't I famous and all that could actually be dialed back and uh, and, and, and you get more from, from sort of holding that sort of stuff back, um, which, which is very much exemplified by, by uh, the the activities of that episode. What a good episode. I I hope Ian Levine gets his wish and that someone somewhere is able to deliver him uh, and indeed all of us, uh, the abandoned planet, because I think there's there's plenty uh, to enjoy there, even though the Doctor's not in it much. we feel that absence and everything else going on is great Stephen's great Sarah's great Mavic Chen's great oh we love the delegates um, and I hope they didn't bump into each other and had lovely tight-fitting costumes um, tight-fitting costumes are just better than baggy ones but maybe that's just me um, but Salation and Bayas aren't having a party at my house unless everything's just snug uh, <laughs> right I just got. Uh, I don't know quite where I'm going with that anyway um, thanks for coming to my dungeon of fun uh, I'm going to abandon you all now, uh, and uh, we shall reconvene next time for the final episode of the Daleks Master Plan, which promises the destruction of time. But thanks for listening. Thanks to Ian K. McLachlan, who I think is giving a really terrific insight, and don't you just love him, um, uh, into um, what it was like watching. These things that we see as relics, you know, f- fresh from a child's eyes, as vivid and colourful uh, as, as, as they were when they were first minted. Or, oh. anyway, uh, bye. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke. My special guest at the moment is Ian K. McLaughlin, regaling us with tales of the Dalek's master plan. I'm grateful to him as I am to the many patrons that make these podcasts possible and they include Barry Platt, Darren Mackay, Joe Llewellyn, Ian Key, Siobhan Galichon, Jason Gorman, Paul Dunn, Chris Dunford-Kelk, John Deere, Rob Dawson, Peter Crocker, Richard Chalk, Paul Cook, Paul Carrington, Jenny at Bluebox99, David who is anonymous, Nick Tedston, Richard Straw, Stephen Moffat, Rob Leonard, Peter Harness, Peter Burns, Ruben Herfindahl, Paul Dunn, Len Stewart, Stephen Bamford, Rhys Williams, Jason Wilshire-Mills, Matt Corner, Martin Cook, Kevin Parker, Kevin Ashelford, Thomas Guerrier. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Oh, well, if you would like to join that illustrious list of patrons, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. You can join for as little as £3 a month. Most goodies are available at the lowest tier. I try to be egalitarian, but I also, you know, waft some little saucy... Options to the higher tiers, um uh, you know, because because uh, they're obviously uh, they obviously have to have some sort of inducement. But also, you know, I don't want to I don't want to deny anybody the goodies because uh, they're they're only able to do uh, the uh, the 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 lowest tier, which is three pounds a month. But you can also actually get a a discount on that if you sign up for a year, you get ten percent off. And you know. I say the lowest tier, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I am grateful to everybody uh, that uh, signs up and I think £3 a month is extremely generous of uh, you kind people that uh, throw your hard-earned cash in the direction of basically a yakking uh, Wikipedia entry Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) that's probably just about as reliable as well. Anyway, um, I'm also grateful to those of you that can't, even do that and are just downloading and listening and maybe spreading the word about this. And that's what's absolutely free to give a five-star review and some nice lines of review on iTunes or wherever you get this podcast. That would just really help to spread the word. You can also go to Kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke, uh, if you don't want to do the monthly thing of Patreon. Uh, and just uh, throw me a donation whenever you fancy or whenever you're feeling flush or whenever you uh, take pity on me. But as I say... Just listening to this stuff and telling people about this. If you enjoy this stuff, you know, tell tell your friends, tell social media. I'm very, very grateful. I'm also a working comedian. That's my day job. Uh, and I can be seen at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club every Tuesday night at 8pm in Manchester. I emcee introducing at least four acts from the National Comedy Circuit. And at the beginning of every month, that show goes live around the world on the internet at 8pm on The first Sunday of every month on twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey where we do an online version. Again, it's me and a load of comedians from around the world just uh, doing a thing and hopefully being entertaining. Join us. Uh, I've just uh, been tweaking a couple of... uh couple of uh, well an earlier episode of this i've been adding and i think you'll find uh, where i did a bit of a brain freeze um but you see the non-patrons they'll just think it was there all the time <laughs> and uh i've also been oh i added a couple of paragraphs to the to the thing about death on uh, on uh, indefinable magic just because i thought there was uh, there was some interesting statistics basically about the only two uh, episodes of Doctor Who that have an entirely living cast and that is uh, episode 4 of City of Death and episode 1 of Earthshock um, uh, which is uh, yeah a sobering statistic and then there are some like a couple of episodes of Ambassadors of Death a couple of episodes of Silurians maybe only one episode of Ambassadors of Death we're not sure a couple of Silurians a couple of Spearhead that have no surviving cast at all Whereas I'm pleased to tell you that every single cast member of this edition of the uh, Toby Haydock's Times Travels, I don't even know what it's called, I'm going senile, Happy Times and Places is, is still very much alive. Well, I am at the time of recording. Um, if a podcaster dies in a booth and nobody's there to hear him, is he was he ever really alive? Yeah.